Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Good morning, good morning, Fusion Church, 6 a.m. SOAP. How you guys feeling? You guys awake? You guys ready to go? All right, I'm excited to this morning. We're in Luke 15. Um, you know, f- funny story. I was talking to one of our CCL members this weekend, and, and they were saying, "Man, Pastor Jason, you you be awake in the early, so early in the morning. You be ready to go. You so much energy." This is like number two, uh, two and a half. Okay, that's the only way I'm I'm, I'm able to go. Um, so early in this morning, um, but I'm excited. So many amazing things are happening. If you're part of Freedom Conference this past weekend mind blown it was ridiculous um so listen if you've never been part of freedom keep your ears out keep your eyes out for the next time we're going to have a conference um it was amazing life-changing so many testimonies coming out of that um if you were a participant if you were a volunteer then you know amazing things happened and we ain't done this weekend, we have Jingle Jam at both locations, EHT, Saturday evening, Cumberland County, Sunday evening. You don't want to miss it, all right? I dropped the link for um, in the chat for the Cumberland County Jingle Jam signups because why? Because I'm the pastor of Cumberland County, so I'm going to push Cumberland County, right? Um, so listen, if you haven't signed up for EHT, you know what? Even if you have signed up for EHT, sign up for Cumberland County. Grab your kids, grab your grandkids, grab your, your your nieces, your nephews, and come on out. It is an amazing time. Pastor Sean and the entire kids ministry team have uh, been been working so so hard to make this Jingle Jam the biggest one ever. Um, we have so many volunteers that are on the stage, performers, kids who are just stepping up, and um, it's going to be an amazing time. Jingle Jam, Jingle Jam, Jingle Jam. You don't want to miss it. Amen. All right. Luke 15, I'm going to pray and we're going to jump right into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you as we do every single day, Lord, for for waking us up, for putting breath in our lungs, Lord God, and and, and making us ready, Lord, to to receive a word from you, Father. Lord, Lord, I pray that that, uh, you would be with us during this time, Father, Lord. I pray that you would open up our minds and open up our hearts to receive a word from you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this time. I thank you for my brothers, sisters uh, here on the call this morning, Lord God, and those who are going to be listening later on, Lord God. Just Father, Father, just continue to speak to us. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Luke 15, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which, which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Verse 11, then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the, the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a famine in the land, that he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself... How He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, I am and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house and heard, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him, safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found." Amen. Amen. Luke 15. So as we're going through the soap this month, you know, all the passages we're, we're going to be looking at are dealing with joy, right? Um, that's the theme of our church for the month of December is joy. And we have three parables of Jesus talking about things that were lost, they were found, and how it brought joy to those to the person who found it right and 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 so um this is one of the most beloved chapters in the bible because it's again it's made of, of of parables by jesus but these are parables that were made in response to the accusation of the pharisees and the scribes when they said this man receives sinners and eats with them the the, the parables were spoken to the pharisees because they they complained the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they 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 really divided humanity into two to two classes, right? You had the unclean and you had the righteous, right? 
There was no in between. You were either unclean or you were righteous. They decided to live as much as possible in complete separation from the unclean, right? There was no outreach ministry back in the day, right? You were the religious folk. You were either super, super religious or you were unclean. And and some rabbis of this day, they took this idea so seriously that they refused to even teach the word of God to those who were considered unclean. They wouldn't even talk to them. They wouldn't even talk to them about God, right? You know, and and let's let's be real, my brothers and sisters. We some of us have come from some churches where if you come in looking a certain way, dressing a certain way, smelling a certain way, you ain't going to be allowed to step foot in the church, right? And 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 so this is kind of like um, the way it was back then. You know, there are churches who will not go out to reach those who are lost, right? Right. The, the first step in our vision statement at Fusion Church is, is to, to reach those who are far from Jesus. The religious leaders refused to reach those who were far from God. Right. And so they, so they, they put this, this, this crazy expectation on people that they had to be super righteous, super holy, just like them. Right. But these, 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 these parables that Jesus is speaking, he's really speaking directly to these Pharisees and to these scribes, you know. Um, uh, but, but he said, but he was saying it to the multitudes, you know, to the, to the tax collectors, to the sinners who were near him. Right. So he's, he's saying it to everyone, but he's really making a point to the Pharisees. So this first parable is the parable of the lost sheep. Um, uh, and so it, it isn't strange, right, that that a sheep would be lost, right? A shepherd during those days, they were used to sheep being lost, you know, and, and the she, the shepherds would go seek out and find the sheep. But it does seem strange that a shepherd would, would, would endanger 99% of his flock to go after one sheep. Right, either the safety of the ninety-nine was assured, um, but we, we we don't know. But at some point, the parable is in the rejoicing, you know, of the one percent, not in the neglect of the ninety-nine percent. Right, the lost sheep can never save himself. The lost sheep can never find the shepherd by himself. Let's think. Let's, let's think about this, because we've all been the lost sheep. We've all been the lost one, right? We can never save ourselves. We can never find God ourselves. If a shepherd did not take the action, the sheep was doomed. See, many rabbis at the time believed that, that, that God received sinners who came to him the right way. And that's not the, that's not the way that, that, that it happens. But in the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus taught that God actively seeks out the lost, seeks out the lost. Rabbis taught that the sheep, that, that, that the lost people came to them, came to God themselves. And Jesus, as Jesus did, was flipping the script on what they believed. Jesus seeks out the lost. He doesn't grudgingly receive a loss. If the lost don't come to him. He's like, all right, I guess. All right, come on. No, he joyfully seeks them out. He searches after them. 
It says in verse five, he lays the sheep on his shoulders. The idea is takes the sheep and puts it on his shoulders and he carries the sheep the rest of the way. When Jesus finds his people, he carries them. Romans 5, 16 says, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He carries us so that we don't have to carry ourselves. It says, it talks about in verse five, rejoicing. Verse six, rejoice with me. Verse seven, there's more joy in heaven. The emphasis in this parable is not in, in the proportion of 99 versus 100%, but on the joy of finding the lost. The joy of finding the lost. This was, this was the error of the Pharisees, of the scribes of that day who were complaining. They were not joyful when tax collectors and sinners drew to Jesus. They hated it. They hated it that tax collectors were trying to get right. They didn't, they hated it that, that sinners were, were trying to get their lives right because the Pharisees were more comfortable with the sinners being over there and we're over here, right? They would rather people remain in their mess. Why? So that they, they could look at themselves as being super holy. Verse seven talks about more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Though the sheep does nothing to rescue himself, the sheep does nothing to repent. Jesus mentioned the need for repentance, right? In the, in the last few portions of this story, it's almost as if, as if he's saying the sheep doesn't repent, but yet you need to repent when God finds you. God has is has sought out, or maybe he's still seeking you out today. If you're within the sound of my voice, whether you're here right now this morning or you're listening later on, right? You got God is seeking you out. And maybe you're still running. Maybe you're still running from, from, from him, right? But when God finds you and you accept him, you need to repent of your sins. Verse eight begins the story of the, the lost coin. Right. So and it talks about 10, 10, 10 coins and she loses one. So if the shepherd was interested in one out of 100, it makes sense that the woman will be interested in one out of 10. Right. Because one out of 10 is a bigger loss than one out of 100. Right. She didn't just count the coin as lost. Right. And she didn't. It's not like she just didn't care about it. Like she's like, oh, I lost a coin. No big deal. One 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 uh, uh, commentator suggested that the coin was was possibly held together uh, with several others on a on a silver chain that was worn around the, the um, as a mark of a married woman that was worn around her head, you know. And so the idea is, you know, certain women you'd see the coins around their head. They were they were they were taken. They were married, right? So so it was a precious ornament to a woman. Right, it meant something, had meaning behind it, and the loss was was more seriously felt than if it was just a coin that was used, you know, to to buy things. Right, it was this, you know, the, the idea is that it's not just a, a, a has monetary value; it's got sentimental value, right? And and in a sense, the the loss belonged to God, whether they know it or not. All right, the silver piece was lost, but it was still claimed. Does that make sense? So she, so even though she didn't have it, it still belonged to her. And in this sense, we may be lost, but we still belong to God. 
and he's still going to seek us out. He's still going to find, find us, you know? And when she found it, what, what did she say? I have verse nine. I have found my lost coin. When she lost the possession uh, of it, she didn't lose her right to it. It did not become somebody else's when it slipped out of her hand and fell to the floor. It still belonged to her. It says, you know, she lit a lamp. She sweeped the house and searched carefully. The woman in the story first brought the light. Then she, she swept and cleaned the house all along searching for the coin and deliberately searching for it. She kept looking until she found the coin. And this is how the church, this is how you, me, all of us, right, led by the Holy Spirit, need to be searching for lost souls. First, we put forth the light of God's word. Then we we sweep and clean out our own mess, our own junk, and then we search carefully for the lost. This is how it works, brothers and sisters. And she finds it and she says, rejoice with me. When, when the coin was finally found, the woman was naturally happy. In the same way, God is happy when sinners repent. And this is in contrast to the religious leaders who, who complained when the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus. When they got near to Jesus, just to hear his words, they didn't like it. It went against their own, their own, you know, self-righteous sense of morality. We don't often think of God as rejoicing, right? But this passage tells us that he does. And it tells us that he does and in what circumstances that he rejoices. Isaiah 62 verse 5 says, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, the Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Many of the religious people of Jesus' day believed differently and even had, had a saying. Right, The religious leaders, they had a saying that said, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. We must be careful that we don't give the same impression, especially in our zeal to speak out against um, sins, especially in our zeal to speak out against culturally popular sins. Right, And whatever comes to your mind, we know what we're talking about. It's easy for us as the church to see things that are happening in the world around us and to speak out against it and go against it. And yes, we need to be against it, right? But we also need to love people. We also need to, 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 to be accepting of people, not of their junk and their mess, but know that they're lost and they're seeking something out. And it's our job as a church to point them to Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 11 talks about the prodigal son, and we're all so familiar with, with the parable of the prodigal son. It begins in verse 11, and as where it says, a certain man had two sons. The, the, the majority of, of this third parable um, speaks of the younger of the two sons, but the older brother is, is clearly and, and importantly um, addressed in this parable. So the younger son says, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. In those days, a father um, could either grant the inheritance before or after his death, but it was usually done after his death. The younger son, he asked for a special exemption, and this was motivated by foolishness and by greed. 
and the Father clearly is illustrating God's love because his love allowed rebellion, right? His love allowed his son to do what his son wanted to do. Didn't stop him. God doesn't stop us from our mess, right? Now, does he, does he try to stop? Does he try to say, hey, hey, you know, and we all, we've all had that feeling. We're about to do some mess, right? We're about to do some junk. And we got that, that icky feeling inside. Like, I shouldn't be doing this. That's God telling you, knock it off. You're going to get into trouble, right? But God is not going to physically stop us. God is not going to take away our free will. The father knew that the son was making a foolish and, and a greedy request, yet he allowed him to go on his way nonetheless. He says he journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions and um, with prodigal living, right? His, his son left the area to become independent of his father and, and to live a prodigal life. The idea of a prodigal life is a, a reckless life, a foolish life, an, an extravagant life. And no, no doubt he had fun, right? No doubt he had a good time while, while, while the, the money lasted, you know? We've all been in, in, that, in that place in our lives where we're living in sin. We're doing whatever we want. It's fun, right? Sin is fun. Am I, am I lying? Sin is fun, right? Sin is fun, but that's how we get caught up. And the, the younger son, he, he wasted everything he had on a good time. And it says, when he had spent all that all, all that he had, there, there arose a severe famine in the land. So the son was was. Certainly, completely to blame for for the wasted, for the the foolish living, and the, all his spending. But he wasn't to blame for the for the famine in the land. But he was still afflicted by the famine. So now, my man, he's got no money, right? He's got nowhere to be, nowhere to live, and that was a famine in the land. A famine in the land, right? And so um, he began to be in want, and then it said that he went to work for somebody. Essentially, he became an indentured servant to someone right and he went to go live in the fields with the swine so so driven by hunger and 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 the need um the, the the son accepted work that was unacceptable and offensive to any righteous jewish person because swine um were unclean under the law leviticus eleven seven says and the swine though it devise a hoof is unclean to you so let's put this into perspective Swine, pigs were unclean animals. Jewish people could not be around them, right? You never hear in the Bible about Jewish people taking care of, of pigs, right? Because it was unclean to them. They could not do it. It was against the law. This younger son was in such dire straits that he went and he he had to go against the law of Moses just so he can have, have a little bit of food, just so he could he could survive. But when he came to himself, verse 17, when he came to himself in his misery, the prodigal son was finally able to think clearly, right? Before it, 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 it might be said that he wasn't really himself, but then he came to himself. He came to his senses in his clear thinking. He didn't think of how to improve his conditions in the pig pen. He didn't blame his father. He didn't blame his brother, his friends. He didn't, he didn't blame his boss. He didn't even blame the pigs. He recognized his misery. 
and he focused on his father. I will arise and go to my father, verse 18. Jesus didn't say that the man thought of his village or his home, but of his father. And when the son returned to his father, he also came back to the village and to his house, but his focus was on returning to his father. This is how we need to come back to God. To come back to him first and foremost, before coming back to the church or coming back to Christian friends, getting back into your Christian circle, right? Jumping back into your, your connect group. No, come back to the Father. Come back to God. Come back to him repentant. That is how we need to come back to him. He says in verse 18, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Verse 19, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. In, in his speech to his father, the son showed his complete sense of unworthiness and an honest confession of his sins. He wouldn't, he didn't even ask to be, be his son anymore. He's like, let me be your servant. Let me be like, like one of your, your hired servants. His him saying, I have sinned against heaven, and before you shows a complete change of thinking. He didn't think like this before. Now he he and he made no attempt to justify or or to excuse his sin. The lost son demonstrated the repentance that Jesus specifically spoke about in the previous parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And after his misery, he thought completely different about his father. He thought completely different about himself. And about his home. The prodigal, prodigal son, he first thought, but he didn't stop at thinking. He didn't just feel sorry for himself and, and think about repenting. He actually did it. A lot of us get lost on that. We think about, oh, I got I to gotta repent my sins. I got to ask for forgiveness. I got to do it. But then we stop. We stop. We fail to take that step of actually doing it. It says when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. This, the, 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 the father's love waited and never forgot about him. It was a love that fully received and, and, and it didn't put his son on probation. It didn't put conditions on his son, right? You know, the son put conditions on himself saying, I'm just going to be your servant. Like, like I'll, I'll do this. The father never put that on him. This was especially remarkable remarkable because the son had disgraced the family by his prodigal living. Listen, word gets around. He was out there doing some dirt, right? And so you know, you know word got around. Word got back to back to the village. Hey man, you hear about Jimmy? You know what Jimmy's doing out down there in, in Atlantic City? Man, that that boy acting a fool out there. You know, word got around and it got back onto the family. And so no doubt, you know, judgmental people were pointing fingers at the father and at the older son and, you know, making a bad name for the, for, for the family. Yeah, it said the father, when he saw him, he ran. He fell on his neck and he kissed him. See, the intensity of the father's reception was, was indicated by the fact that he, that he ran. And this was unusual for a, a grown man in those cultures. They didn't run, right? That was undignified. They didn't do it, but he ran after his son and he repeatedly kissed him, right? Running again, out of character, 
for, for men in that culture. But the father didn't care. The father didn't care about what his son had done. He didn't care about him wasting the money. He didn't care that his that his son was was looked at as unclean because he worked with the pigs, right? All he cared about was that his son was coming home. Verse 21, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. The son began to, 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 to recite his speech, you know, to his father. But it's, it's, it's as if the father didn't even hear it. The father didn't want to hear nothing, in it, but in a good way. Instead, he commanded, right? He commanded that the that he be the young man be treated like a son again, not like a servant, right? P picture it as if the, the son is trying to repent. The son is trying to to come to his father and say, you know, I've sinned against you. Just make me your servant, and be, and he can't even get the words out because the father's already commanding the other servants. You know, my son has returned. 22 bring out the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet in verse 23 and bring the fatted calf here and kill it none of these things that the father that were brought out um to the to the the repentant son was a necessity he didn't have to do that right see these were all meant to honor the son and make him know that he was loved and he, he did much more than just meet the, the son's needs because if he just wanted to meet the son's needs, he'd have been, I, you know, go back to the fields. I, you know, you're going to do, here's your job to earn your way back, right? But no, he went above and beyond his son's own needs and they began to be merry. Verse 24, there was a party going on and it's it's a it was a happy thing to find a lost sheep. It's a it's a happy thing to find a lost coin, but it was much more happy to find the lost son. And they had a party with, he, you know, special clothing. My man had jewelry on, and he, you know he had, he, you know he he had, you know, sandals on his feet. He had some good food, you know. It wasn't just finding a lost son. It was as if um, the son were back from the dead. There was a celebration going on, but his older older son was still in the field, still working. Right, the older son never lived a prodigal life. He never lived an extravagant life, a rebellious life. You know, he was at hard work in the field. Right, even when when his younger brother came home, he was still working the fields. But he was drawn by the sound of the party, and he learned from another servant what was going on. But verse twenty eight says, "But he was angry and would not go in." The older son was not happy that the brother was was so joyfully received. He complained and felt it was an insult to his own obedience, to his own faithfulness, right? It was like, pop, that's a, that's a slap in the face. Like, I've been faithful to you. Verse 29, I never transgressed your commandment, right? You never gave me a young goat. You never threw me a party. You know, I got friends too I want to I party with. Don't you think I want to have a good time? But no, Pop, I've been faithful to you. I've been faithful to the family. I never violated any commands, any laws. You know, the, 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 these exaggerations are common for those who hold on to bitterness. The oldest son, he, he finally showed um, finally showed his bitterness to his father, right? He finally showed his true nature to his father. He was putting on a mask the whole time, right? And but it was only after um 
you know, this this happened that he 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 was finally showing the damage that was in his own heart, the sin that was in his own heart, finally came out. The older son, right, was just as sinful as the younger son. He messed up just as much. He just hid it better, right? Because while the son was outwardly doing things, inside the older son was bitter. He was angry. The the older brother was unappreciative of all the things he did have. Every day he had his father's company. Every every day he had his father's blessing. Every day he had a, a roof over his head. Every day he had food, right? His father's love was around him constantly and everything his father had was his. Yet the proud and the self-righteous always feel that they are not treated as well as they deserve. There was a sense in which the older son was obedient, yet he was far from his father's heart. He was present. He was there. He was working. He was being obedient, but he was far from his father's heart. In this sense, he was a perfect illustration of the religious leaders who were angry that Jesus received the tax collectors, that, that he received the sinners. The story re reveals the possibility of living in the father's house and failing to understand the father's heart. Living in the father's house, yet still failing to understand the father's heart. Verse 32 says, it was right that we should make merry and be glad. This, this answered the complaint of the religious leaders that began um, in this chapter. They had no reason to complain and they had every reason to be happy. But in each of these parables, the message to the tax collector and the sinner is was clear. Repent. Come home to the Father. And the message to the religious leaders was also very clear. Be happy when the lost are found. Be happy when they repent. And be happy when they come home to the Father. Brothers and sisters, we need to be very, very careful with how we receive people who come to the church. It doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter how they're dressed. Doesn't matter matter how they smell. You know, it doesn't matter if they're coming with coming with a repentant heart. If they're coming and they want to get close to God, believe that God has already been working on them. Take out the religious uh, uh, glasses and only see them for the sin that they have in their lives. The capital C church has done enough of that, right? I would argue that the capital C church has done more to damage people than to save people because it's really easy to get our religious heart, right? It's really easy for us to, to think to ourselves, man, I've been doing good. I've been serving God. I've been serving in the church. Oh, that person left the church. They a sinner. Oh, that person left the church. They're doing this. They're doing that, that junk. They're doing that garbage. Right. And then when they come back to the church, like, mm, mm, look at them. Who, who they who they think they are. Everyone knows what they did. Everyone knows they've been sleeping around. Everyone knows they 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 an alcoholic. Everyone knows that they've been gambling. Everyone knows whatever it is. And all God sees is that their child is coming home. My brothers and sisters, we need to have the lens of God. We need to see people as God sees them. My prayer for each and every one of you and myself, 
All right. So let me let me be very transparent. Pastor Jason has had a judgmental heart. We all have. Right. There have been times in my life where I've seen people and I'm like, I ain't doing that. I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. You know, that's being judgmental. We cannot have a judgmental heart. Right. Because no one will come back to the church. And we all have people who in our lives, family, friends, loved ones who we know need to come to church or need to come back to the church. How are you going to receive them? Right. It doesn't matter what they're what they've done. If they come to a repentant heart, all God sees is a lost soul coming home. All God sees is a lost son, a lost daughter coming home. And he's seeking them out. He is seeking them out. He is putting things in their path to remind them of who they are. He's putting people in their path to remind them that there is a God who died for them. There is a God who loves them. And guess what? He may be putting you in their path as that reminder. But if you're in their path as a reminder and all you're doing is judging them, you're pushing them away. You're pushing them away. And if they never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, guess what? You will be held responsible. Because one day, brothers and sisters, we're all going to stand before the throne of God. One day, we're all going to have to give account for everything we've done. So if you've been in a situation where you should have been loving on someone, but instead you were judging someone, it's time for you to repent. It's time for you to come before God and ask for forgiveness. It's time for you to ask, Lord, give me another opportunity. Give me a, just give me a chance. Give me a chance to do your work. Give me a chance, Father, to, to speak to this person. Give me a chance to, to encounter this person, that person. Father, Lord, put people in my path, right? That I can speak to, not so I can be glorified, but that your name could be glorified and they can come back home to you. They can come back home to you. We need to have as many people in the church, as many people coming home, right? Because everyone needs to know who Jesus is. There are so many people who are lost, who have forgotten. The enemy has put scales over their eyes, has, has covered their ears, so it's hard for them to hear. And we are the hands and feet of Jesus. So if you're ever given the opportunity, if you're ever given a chance, Start by, by sweeping out your own house, amen? Like the lady with the coins. Sweep out your own house. Get out the light of God's word and find them. Pray for them. Point them to Jesus Christ. Don't be like the older son. Just think about how good you are, how good you've done, right? We should be thinking about like, what more can I do? What more can be done? What have I, Lord, what have I failed at? Father, open up my eyes so I can see the things in my own life that I need to readjust, that I need to change, that I need to get rid of so I can have a clear view of who you are and the people that you put in my path for me to find and bring back home. Amen? Amen. I can go all day. I'm about to go on, 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 a, on a rampage of, of scripture, but this is so important, guys, because there's so many people are lost. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when I see people especially those who have been a part of the church who are lost. But let's pray that God will put them back in our path 
so we can bring them home. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this reminder, Lord God, that there's so many people that are lost. So many people who have known you, but have chosen to walk away, who have chosen to go this way or that way. They're not going the straight path, Lord. They're, 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 they're verging off this way and that way, Lord God. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit is already working on them. Your Holy Spirit is already breaking down the walls of their heart, Lord God, that you're already speaking to them, Lord. You're already giving them dreams and visions, Father, so that when we do encounter them, when they do walk back through the doors of the church, Jesus, that we our hearts would be softened and ready to receive them. And we wouldn't see them for, for what they've done. We wouldn't see them for the sin, Lord God, but we would see them as your child. Too often we have messed up. We have messed up and we've seen laws coming through the doors of our church. And all we've seen is sin. But all you see is son. All you see is daughter. So Lord, give us that lens to see your children, Father. I pray for my, my brothers and sisters on this call, Lord God, those listening later on in the podcast or on YouTube, Lord God, Father. I pray the same prayer for them, Jesus. Open up their minds, open up their hearts, Lord God, to see your children, to see your sheep, Father, to see your lost coins, and we can seek them out and find them and bring them home. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love you. Don't forget Jingle Jam this weekend. Come to EHG, come to Cumberland County, come to both. Why not have, have a crazy time? Come to both, right? We're going to have a good time, all right? I love you all. God bless.